Previously on The Fear of God. On a scale of 1 to 10, how well did season 2 give you what you want? You ready? Okay. On 3. 1, 2, 3, four. 8. Really? Wow! Oh my god! Oh my god! Strong statement number one, every character is just reacting. So you didn't like it. See, this is what's so hard, because the things I like, I love. The one character I would say is definitively not reactive is Eleven. Some of the best work of the season is the kids with Steve in the underground stuff towards the end. We're going to get into this when we get into themes, but I do think it is significant that the gate was never shut. It was like, oh crap, this thing wants to use Will to burn the world. We'll get into all of that. Those are some of our broad... When Reed and Nathan will end up duking it out on the psionic plane, (laughs) on the astral plane. Um, Exactly. Like, let's just go episode by episode. And I definitely don't want to shortchange themes. If there's anything that I'll self-referential, I feel like maybe with season one, we kind of breezed through themes because we had we had talked so much about them. I definitely don't want to do that here. So let's we'll try to keep it at a clipped pace. But let's dive into some specific episode beats. Um, episode one, Mad Max. Let's, let's hit up just some likes, dislikes, scares. Uh, if you want to you know, set the stage for any thematic notes, then you can certainly feel free to do that. But um, I'll lead the way on episode one, if you don't mind, and then I'll sure. sort of bounce yeah. back and forth with who leads the way. Um, so as I mentioned before, I really liked the opening until I realized watching the season that that opening had no real strong relevance to the plot as a whole. And then in retrospect, I think they should have opened with something a little different. Um, I do love the relationship that Dustin has with his mom. Like yeah, when yeah, they yeah. when great. when they make little like laughs at each other, or they're like, ah, right. you know, like it's it, it it's really funny. Um, well, like we I, mentioned last week uh, <laughs> with Joe Curie, I mean, I think uh, Glenn Matarazzo, Matarazzo, um, I think he's another standout, you know, excellent cast member who just kind of steals every scene he's in. Sure, sure. I did write that like I didn't initially trust Bob. Uh, I don't think my wife and I, either one of us really initially trusted Bob. We thought like, oh man, he's going to be some sort of weird like double agent or he's infiltrated from Hawkins lab to kind of get into the buyer's family or whatever. Um, but like, like we mentioned with Steve and Hopper last season, uh, the show made me love him. The show made me get really affectionate towards him. Some of that is Sean Astin. Uh, some of that's just where they take the character. But, um, so then the only other major, like that I have is I didn't know I knew that L and Hop that L was going to still be around, but I didn't know she would be straight up living with Hopper. So I really liked that reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I have a feeling based on our few text messages from episode one that you didn't, but I'm not going to let you, I'm going to let you die. No, no, no. I, um, no, I, I don't mind that conceit. What I minded and what you're referencing via the text conversation was, you know, when, when, when a piece of media, movie, TV, book, what have you presents something as surprising that really is not surprising at all. Um, you know, episode one ends with what's sort of propped up editing wise as this, this, you know, Oh my God. You know, it, it just wasn't surprising at all that, that sure, she was in sure. there. Um, but no, I mean, like I said last week, I think, um, the Hopper 11 relationship is one of the strongest components of the series, not just the season two. Oh, um, I agree. I agree. Uh, for me with season one. So episode one, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's so funny. You're doing what I did last totally time. <laughs> do you know what's funny? If you go back and listen to that, those episodes, we bring it up and then immediately you do it again. It's really funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I did love like, you know, I've had random conversations about this over the years, but I, I don't know your backstory with this kind of thing. Like seeing them at the arcade, man, growing up, I had this buddy shout out Lucas Schaefer who I'd hang out with him on the weekends and his dad would drop us off at the mall. And we had this arcade in our mall called Diamond Gems. Any Columbus folk, you, you remember the hmm. Diamond Gems. And he would hook us up with, you know, a bunch of quarters or whatever. Man, I loved that feeling. So that was a very evocative. Sure. Although yeah. it's, although it is interesting, like, I know it feels like this isn't the case, but I know it feels like I'm just looking for things to crap on with Stranger Things too. But it was interesting. I kind of missed the D and D. Sure. Yeah. There's no D and D in the and, film. You at know, all, uh, or um, in the show. yeah. Well, I mean, it shows up at the end with the mind flayer sort of convenience factor, but, um, only referentially. Right. 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 But I kind of missed that component and I was like, Oh, video games. We're so alone together. And anyway, I, I missed uh, this. Yeah. I missed the, the image of them and, and that sort of camaraderie that comes from it. Um, sure. Sure. I understand. Uh, Sean Aston is great. Uh, the episode one is the episode of Steve and I believe Nancy is there too. Are they at, yeah, they're at Barb's parents' house. Finger looking good. Yeah. 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 That's a great, that scene alone. It's like, okay, you're the man. I love you. He's he's great. He's got some great deliveries. Yes. 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 Um, the only scare I have for episode one is, um, well, I have one major dislike. Oh, okay. Go ahead, please. Please. I Billy feel like I'm the only one. No, no, no. Billy and his dumb hair bugged me from the moment he stepped out of the car. Like, there's going to be a theme, listeners. As we reference any episode and any scene involving Billy, I'm going to rail on it. Cause I, cause the, I passion, the passion you heard out of me about season two last week. We will, oh we will, God. we will target heavily into Billy. Poor actor. Yes. Goodness gracious. I know. I feel bad for that actor because I feel like he's got a lot of talent and he's, he's, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's bringing, you know, a, a verisimilitude to the role, but man, that's just such a crappy character. I think that character is just awful. I think that character is very uh, superficial and shallow and we'll get into why as we get into there. But from the moment that I saw him, I was like, what is going on with this guy? I already don't like this guy. And then the show just cemented for me as the time went on why. I don't like this guy. Uh, if, if, if for some strange reason, uh, some stranger things reason, the actor ever listens to this, I genuinely do not feel like it's the actor's fault. I feel like it's a very poorly conceived character. But yeah, so uh, go forward with your scares. I only have one. Oh, I was just saying the the buyer's house door opening in Will's vision was very creepy. 
No, oh, yeah, man. When we finally see that big, I call I called him the Shadow Spider throughout all of the season until they finally, you know, revealed that they called him a Mind Flayer. But uh, yeah, that that's a really creepy shot. Um, very very effective scare wise. Which uh, which brings us, unless you have some other things to say, to no, but I will say this uh, about that uh, about that overall episode. A, a, a good kind of okay to good uh, setup episode, but really not much more to it than that. Just sort of a, an official sort of setup episode. Yeah, in fact, but it's th- funny It's funny you say that because I've got two two separate notes. One says whole lot of setup. The other note right. says, the other note says lots of setup. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Which brings us to episode two where I feel like that uh, doesn't quite play out and that's Trick or Treat Freak. Um, so why don't you lead the way on likes dislikes with trick or treat freak? Sure. I do have some, um, I do love. And to me, one of the stronger metaphors for Will's experience. I love the Will and Mike conversation about the Viewmaster. Uh, um, Oh yes. Oh know, yes. It's, a, it's just love a really, that. it's a really strong choice of images. Uh, I love Dustin's confusion about being called presumptuous. Um, <laughs> he's like, that's good, right? <laughs> This is where my utter dislike of Billy shows up. Uh, I, I, I think maybe in the first episode, I was willing to give a little grace because like, okay, let's see where this goes. And whatever, I don't know the scene that is in episode two, but whatever is in episode two. Oh, he almost runs it, over the boys and he's bullying Max while he does it. Like he's oh, bullying her. Right, right, and right. He almost runs over the boys and it's ridiculous. Yes. Well, there you go. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I'm glad I'm not the only one passionate about. I hate him wrong so darn much, man. Um, oh. <laughs> you sounded like such a dude on a Christian podcast. I hate him so darn much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm trying to try to watch it. Try to curb it. It's all right. It's all right. Let it out, brother. Um, this is. I referenced this last week. This episode is where the CGI element of the upside down really started to stand out for me. I don't remember what actually happens, but. And you know what's funny? You, you, in talking about Beyond Stranger Things last week, one of the ones I watched talks about the season one Demogorgon being, uh, uh, an actor in a suit. And I was like, mm. of course it is. That's why it looks so much better. Um, I, right, I just, right. I, I really struggled with most of the CGI in season two. Um, okay. This is the one with the Ghostbuster scene. I like how you're like, okay, yeah, Nathan, your opinion on the upside I'm down not dismissing is, is well established like, and wrong. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> if you are, I will say though, if you are referring by CG to, to this is the moment when Will sees the mind flayer coming up out of the, the, like, it looks like he's rising up from the ground, right, and right. rising up into the sky. Um, for I, know, me, I don't. I don't think it was that. But go ahead. Oh, because because I loved that scene. Right. That's that's one of the freakiest things that the show has ever delivered for me. To the point that where I live, there is a field next to us. Not a, a huge field, but you know maybe about an acre. And there's some power lines. There's some power towers out in this field. To the point that that night after I watched that, I took the garbage out. And when I took the garbage out, I looked up at that power tower and I said, "Nope, nope, going back, going back." And like it genuinely sort of like freaked me out that that image was in my head of this thing like rising up and coming after him so yes that scene like genuinely sort of unnerved me um uh, so yeah but anyway. I dig it. um i think for me it was probably uh, my guess is this might have been 
Yeah. This was the scene, the first time you got some backstory on Eleven. It cuts to her yes. waking up in the Upside Down. It just felt very CGI heavy. So, no, I was not referring to the Mind Flayer. Um, I love she's watching Frankenstein in the cabin. I know. That's, that was, that was a nice touch. I liked that touch. Um, what uh, what scares do you have for? So, well, for I have a couple freak. of likes, dislikes. Okay, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I wrote a couple of notes. The first one that I wrote was uh, when there's something stranger in the neighborhood, who are you going to call? Yeah. No. I, I see that face. <laughs> you want to laugh. You want to laugh. <laughs> that, very, that very solemn face of... So and I and I uh, I made another note. I said hashtag justice for Winston. Like they're all arguing about that was funny. People not wanting to be Winston. Um, said everybody wanting to be Vankman. I mean, yeah, we all kind of want to be Vankman, but that doesn't mean Winston was like you know. I love Ernie Hudson. Like is, Van- uh, is Vankman Bill Murray? Vankman's Bill Murray. Yeah, yeah everybody wants to be Vankman. Right, but, right. Um, and then the other note that I wrote down is I said Bob is such a dork, and then I put dot dot dot, and I said. I am so Bob. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like he's sitting there dressed as a vampire. He's like, I hope it doesn't suck. I'm like, that is such a thing that I would say. And yes, that is, uh, uh, yeah, I, I just, I just need to own that. Also, evidently, I'm not only Bob, but I'm also Dustin. Um, we'll get into why as we get to, you know, to the finale, but, uh, Three Musketeers is also my favorite candy bar. Um, so, uh, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm with them on that. When they were sitting there arguing about like, oh, Three Musketeers is so dumb. I'm like, I love Three Musketeers. Three Musketeers is my favorite candy bar. Nougat. Um, so, uh, and, and this is one thing that they mentioned, uh, specifically in the Beyond Stranger Things sort of, uh, behind the scenes stuff is, uh, I do love, Again, getting back to Hopper and Elle's relationship, it's such a such a kind of a dad thing to do for him to go in there and and he totally promised her, like completely blatantly broke to broke a promise to her to be back on time so they could eat candy and watch movies. And so then when he doesn't make it back in time, he tries to lure her out with like, I'm just gonna eat all this candy yeah, by myself. You know, you know, it's such a dad thing to to kind of do. So so I do kind of love that. Their dynamic just in general, this will be a recurring theme in my comments about them. It feels very believable. It feels yes. very natural. Um it and, does. and definitely, you know, echoes of of uh, verisimilitude. I already mentioned my main scare, that mind flare coming up out of the streets. I was like, uh-uh, no, forget it. Like, that's that's going to haunt every time I take the garbage out now for probably the next four months. Um, it's it's a freaky, freaky shot, um, and it's really effective and scared the crap out of me. So, yeah. You know, it's that. funny. Uh, comparing Sean Astin and Billy, or, or Bob and Billy, because, you know, whenever you introduce a new character, especially when it's a name like Sean Astin, he, he's going to mean something to the story at some point in time. Well, when you, um, okay. So Bob, Billy, Mac, uh, and Max, Max, you know, she doesn't have to have a hyper defined arc because part of her just existence is in relationship to the fellas. Right. Sure. So yeah, from that sure, standpoint, she kind of syncs up well with just the flavor of the show. Um, right. Bob, okay, you've cast Sean Astin, like, you spent mm-hmm. some money right, on right. this guy, so he's gonna mean something. Um, Billy, the character is so distinctly drawn, however bad we may think that drawing to be, means somehow this is gonna be relevant at some point. And, mm-hmm. and I just, I, I found Bob's inclusion ultimately in the story to be a very natural, organic 
way to factor him into the narrative and Billy's to be the complete opposite. And so it's just so interesting watching when you have these characters that are so specifically drawn, just knowing, okay, you're going to mean something big or you're going to mean nothing at all. You know what I mean? Like, right. When a, when a show goes there with new characters, I mean, um, absolutely. Yeah. As far as scares go for this episode, Max's Michael Myers is great. And then I wrote, Oh yeah, that is great. I wrote the zombie boy attack on Will was pretty harrowing. Yeah, it was. And it was upsetting too. just that, that like this poor guy has already been through so much. And then these, these kids won't, won't let him be about it. It's pretty rough. I hate bullies. Yeah. Um, let's jump to your right. old, your old buddy. Yeah. Episode three. Uh, my, my, my polywog. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so again, I love Dustin and his mom. Like one of my, one of my few laugh out loud moments in this is when he's saying that he rigged a contraptions like, uh, cause he found dart right. at the end. We didn't see what it was that he found, but he found dart at the end of episode two. So then, He's bringing it in the house and he's like, oh, yeah, I ribbed a little contraption so that it moves just like a real ghost. And then he and his mom share this ridiculous little over the top laugh with each other. Where they're right, just like, ha, right, ha, right. Ha, and it's just like it just fills my heart with so much glee. I love I love that so much. I also put uh, I referenced it in trivial bits. But, you know, obviously Bob's conversation with Will about Mr. Baldo and all the troubles that would come later. This is not a theme of any substance, but. Uh, I wrote down one of the themes of the show could be just bad advice. Like right. Steve's advice to Dustin is awful and Bob's advice to Will is just awful. And so like there's so many characters who just give other characters bad advice. Um, but I do love uh, the speaking a bit to the flashbacks. I do love when it shows us like they did. They started with in season two and like they do further in season or in episode three, episode two and episode three. Uh, showing us how Elle and Hopper got together. Right. Um, and, and so when he first brings her to this home and he's playing, you know, don't mess around with Jim. And, and so, you know, they're just kind of cleaning up the house and everything. Like, that's really, that's really fun. He lays out the don't be stupid rules. So, yeah, I really liked just all of that dynamic. One major dislike that I have, and then I'll pivot to you for, for likes, dislikes, and scares and stuff. When Elle sort of leaves and she wanders to the school, and then she sees Max and Mike. This is a personal pet peeve in any film, television, or book, or anything. I get super annoyed, absolutely super annoyed, when this happens in, in a variety of different contexts, but a character has been pining, character A has been pining for character B. And then they see character B simply having a conversation with a member of the opposite sex, and just then then all of that pining is just like, oh, it's not to be. It's not meant to be. I get so annoyed by that. I get so frustrated by the fact that they're just like, oh, I'm not even going to bother breaking it up. This is the moment when Elle sees Max right, skating right, right, around Mike, right. and then she like pulls him off. Like I know we don't want, from a narrative perspective, we don't want oh, Eleven and the Mike hammer, to the get- hammer, The hammer pulls you off. What kind of uh, relationship <laughs> do you have with your hammer? <laughs> That's such a great. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, so yeah, wow. Let's just have the rest of the conversation you, about Thor you, Ragnarok. You rode your hammer? No, no, no. It means <laughs> so. Your hammer rode you on. You rode on its back. It rode on your back. It's so funny. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Um, 
No, 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 that's okay. But um, I know we don't want Eleven and Mike to get together right, at right. this point in the story. Uh, but it just annoys me. It, it's it, This is not the only place where this happens. I just get super annoyed when I'm like, okay, you, clearly Mike has been calling for you and asking for you. And the moment you're seeing he's talking to some redhead, so you just get petty and, and, and just get ridiculous. So that just annoys me. What, um, do, what do you know? Inconsistency. Oh, yeah. Heaven okay. forbid. You get one point, Nathan. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, so yeah, what do you what do you have for uh, dislikes? Um, well, I, I know just, that was, I was gonna say I was like, wow, that was presumptuous, and and Dustin doesn't know what that means. Um, well, dislike Max's brother. The basketball scene is the worst. It's the absolute oh, it's worst. Awful. It's terrible. It's it's terrible. It is terrible. Like you watch Steve's that. Steve's having a bad week. You watch that scene. You're like, what? What? Nobody would do this. This is not even real people stuff. Um, you like that? That's how, that's like screenwriting 101 is do real people stuff with your characters. Mm, Yes, exactly. Um, I wrote the friends don't lie in quotation marks is the first really great scene of the season. Hopper 11. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love that scene. All of their, I, I think if the show had primarily just been them, I would have loved it so much more. Um, yeah. This is a blur of likes and scares. What I wrote down in the moment was Mr. Baldo did Samwise just doom Will. Um Oh yeah. To your point. Yeah. It's it's so obvious from that first moment you're like that is terrible advice for what Will's dealing with. Like terrible advice. I did like the button of the hopper and the Hawkins lab dynamic when he says, I keep your stuff quiet. You keep your stuff out of my town. Um, right. That was right. a nice, a nice sort of bit of business. Um, so let's get real specific here. Uh, piggybacking on some of my beef to you is dart just, and, and I don't mean the way I'm even, it sounds like my tone is accusatory. I'm not, I'm genuinely curious. Is Dart just, he just, he's just, he's just there. He's just in the bottom of this trash can. Just period. He's just one of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where did he come? Where did, where did that specific baby demo thing come from? I mean, I don't, uh, do do you really need to know? And I'm not uh, asking to be antagonistic. Like, do you really need to know where it came from? Well, when the, when the show just, Following that scene, when the show shows me over the course of two days, it growing from that to the dog size, it just, I don't know. I really struggle with how much or little sense it makes it being there. And, and I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to scratch at is like, and part of it feels like you're just saying, oh, I'm really, I'm really being a jerk right now, but, oh, Nathan, you need all your T's crossed and dies, eyes dotted. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I truly don't. I love, I love not having absolutely everything explained for me. That is fine. I just think they chose a very specific mechanism, say in season one, of conveying what the potential threat was. And I'm not saying there can't be other monsters. I wanted other monsters. I guess I just don't, I don't quite get why the, why the show would refuse to, you know, okay, so we've got this little polywog dart and then four episodes later, whatever, how many, however many it is, they're suddenly everywhere. Like, 
are these other people throughout the town that have had interactions with the upside down and now barfing up slugs somewhere? I don't know. No, I mean, I, I, th- I think uh, I don't think we're meant to imply that there are other tethers. Will is will is enough. Like if Will is vomiting, like I right. said, my interpretation of the end of season one is that that experience he had in the bathroom is not isolated. Uh, that that he does sort of barf these things up. Um, <laughs> and and so so to me, how Dart winds up in the trash can is just that. I don't care. Like, I don't care how he wound up in the trash can. Somehow, these Demogorgons are wandering around, these Demodogs, because they're not full-grown yet. Right, right. These, these Demodogs are just, like, s- slugging around, and this one managed to get into, you know, a hole in a rusty old trash can, or made it into a garbage bag that then got shoved into the trash can. Somehow, this was wandering around, got stuck outside of Dustin's house, and Dustin found it. So, that's all I really need to know. And I think for the show, sincerely, if I were like defending the show uh, even more wholeheartedly, I think what the show is more interested in is what is this thing? Those are the questions narratively that it's asking before it finally reveals what it is. What is this thing? Not how did it get in the trash can? Just what is it? Because that's supposed to be the big reveal when Will sort of recognizes this thing is from the upside down because I, I vomit up these slug type things. So I think it's more interested in what is Dart than it is how did Dart get into the trash can? Well, and I think for me, like, I, I know this seems like beating a dead Demogorgon, but the the Dart in and of himself doesn't bother me, I think. Um, and it doesn't bother me that his introduction into the show is in the bottom of Dustin's trash can. I think what bothers me, or what I can't kind of find the bridge of narrative, you know, tissue for is, you know, is he, is, is that vert, is that polywog, that physical being, did it just come from the upside down just now? Did Will just barf it up five hours ago behind Dustin's house? Like that's what, that's the things that start to niggle at me of like, what, what are we? Yeah. So I get that. (laughs) The way that I just phrased that makes no sense. No, I think, I mean, I think, I think my interpretation of it is that Will has been barfing these things up over a period of time. And I think he's the only one. Like, I think he's the only one who's like barfing these things up. But just, yeah, over a period of time, these have scattered to the whatever. They fall down the drain. They go through the sewers. They, you know, wander around. And, and so then somehow this particular one, happens to wind up outside Dustin's house in Dustin's trash can. So to me, that just, that falls in more in the camp of like, I don't need to know all of the, the map of, of how right, it got right, there. Right. The, con- the connecting point is what's more important to me, just in my take on the show. Well, I'll say this as a, as a high compliment to you, based on your interpretation of the upside down of Stranger Things 2, I'd much rather watch the Lackey version than the Duffer version. <laughs> um, so, so kudos well, to you because, you. you know, your narrative makes a lot more sense. <laughs> e- even though I-, I do think you are bringing a lot of interpretation to it, which is positive. And, and who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe I'd had some indigestion that night. Um, <laughs> well, and I want to keep something in mind yeah. too, like, like, for us as just viewers of entertainment, I also did not like I, di- I didn't do a lot of digging to external things. Right. Right. So this so so um, I just want to say to, to you, Nathan, to my friend, like these things that I'm I'm not coming armed for bear with like 
a whole bunch of Duffer Brothers interviews and or stuff. Like this armed, is just armed for Rogue Bear. Yes, armed for Rogue <laughs> Bear. I'm just this is what this is what I got from the show. So this is this is kind of just what I thought about it. So I didn't do a lot of digging. I could be wrong. Like your your criticisms may be far more valid, and I'm just dismissing them by internally connecting tissues that that really were not that well thought out. That's entirely possible. I just watched the show, and this is kind of what I thought right, about the things that right, I had question right. marks about. You know, let's jump to. Uh, to uh, did you have anything else on two point three on Polywog? Uh, he, uh, for scares, one really big one. I just wrote down the mind flayer is not Baldo the clown. That right, whole scene right. where That's Will is rough. like, "Go away, go away." And the, the mind flare just gets closer and closer to right. him. The tornado finger and the whole, th- like, that was so freaky. That was so, so scary. Will even running away in the halls while the smoke thing is, like, flooding the halls and coming after him. Dear Lord. That was rough. That was really, really rough. So, very, very scary uh, in that regard. But that's that's really all I had in terms of, uh, of that stuff from the uh, episode three. Episode four brings us to Will the Wise. I'm actually not quite sure why that episode is is titled that way, but um, well, that uh, was this, that was uh, from it was inspired by the drawing of Will's. Remember? Um, oh, okay, okay. Uh, Joyce makes a visual reference to his art on the refrigerator, and one right, of them, one right. of them is Will the Wise. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. So yeah, your turn to lead out with with likes dislikes. Um, I, I love a line I wrote down that I just love. This is a big, this, this is the big fight with Hopper and Eleven. Um, oh, so brutal, but so great. His line to her, I don't lie. I protect and I feed and I teach. Yeah. Like, I, it's clear. I don't think this season gets a ton right, but sometimes, you know, like that, I, I just imagine whoever wrote that episode Typing that line out and be like, "Yeah, I nailed that. I, I, I nailed that bit." You know, like that's that's a yeah, great, absolutely. absolutely, that's a great moment. Uh, <laughs> I actually wrote down all it says is Max's brother. Period. Still the worst. Like that's he is so the worst. It's oh my terrible. gosh, he's so annoying. He's such a textbook racist, and it's so cheap and stupid. And that moment in the shower where he's like talking to him. I was like, are they going to eventually turn his character around? But no, no, they don't. He's awful. And he's awful through the whole thing. Adds nothing to it and only just detriments it, in my opinion. I found it slightly. I thought it was a cool moment, but it was slightly unbelievable, unbelievable to me that they didn't search Nancy. They, the Hawkins lab people, didn't search Nancy to find that tape recorder. I did wonder about that. I was like, you have to be pretty because in the 80s, you don't have a cam. You you don't have a recorder on your phone, you know. So, so, yeah, that is that is a bit curious um it works for the story but i definitely i definitely agree with you i was like really like you're gonna be thorough enough that you can stop their car but right, you can't right right but right, you right. Can't search their purse to have like recorder. half a dozen moles you know at the park yes watching over exactly them, but you exactly. didn't find the tape recorder um exactly i did i don't remember what the dialogue is but what i wrote down is a really good sixth sense-esque scene of will talking about his experience with the shadow monster i thought it was really oh yes yes um and uh, just all of the stuff that they develop with will as he's kind of being more and more taken over by the shadow monster i thought builds really really nice i felt like that was a that was well paced and i feel like it was really effective one of the things that i had actually in in uh 
in my scares is when he sees the bathtub and he's like, he likes it cold. I was like, Ooh, oh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's a freaky line. Because, well, I mean, you know, something like it hot. But no, no, Nathan, you're you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, continuing to thread this needle here, I'm going to ask you a question born of a criticism. So, to me, okay. to me, it requires a lot of buy-in, character-wise, to ignore the blind spot Dustin has regarding Dart. Like it just. That's one of those places where it's like, I feel like you've done a character inconsistency. Hear me. Metaphorically, I don't mind to a degree the splintering of the, of the boys, right? I mean, it's kind of a adolescence, different interests where, you know, sure. shaky sure. Di- relationship dynamic. I don't mind that. To me, it's a big ask that Dustin just doesn't naturally assume this is an upside down creature, although. Maybe we're meant to think he does, and it just is. Uh, but as a viewer, all I think is, well, that thing's going to turn into a Demogorgon. It just is. And so it felt like a tall order to to buy that Dustin was just, like, cool with it. You know what I mean? I don't I don't disagree at all. It didn't bother me to, to a level where it hurt it for me, but I don't disagree with that. It, I do find it a bit of a stretch given how kind of on top of everything Dustin was in season one, that he would see Dart and be like, cool, Dart, yes. we've bonded. Yes. And not and not until he realizes, because this is in my scares, it's it's my last sort of scare for this episode, is I put just bye-bye, Muse. Right, right, <laughs> um, right. So when he realizes that Dart is a Demogorgon, that to me, I was like, yeah, dude, like you should have known this. You should have known something was off about this creature thing for a while now. And it did, I will agree with you, it did strike me as a kind of an, I don't know if I would call it an inconsistency, but in a similar camp of like, yeah, I don't know if Dustin wouldn't have raised a red flag on Dart a long time ago. But I kind of roll with it for where they go with it, and, and it didn't bother me that much. But I do agree with that. I think it's the last scene I just wrote that's a great shot of Hopper with the shovel and the pumpkin patch. That was not the last scene, but that's the shot of him, huh? He's he's in the sewers and yes. he turns upside down. Yes. Oh, it's great. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's a great visual representation of where he is and what he's in the midst of. So right. that, was, that was that was absolutely fantastic. I love that. I love that shot. Um, the only scares I had was what I called the Darta Gorgon eating the cat. So yeah, that was yeah, jacked that. up. Same thing for me too. So that brings us to episode five, Dig Dug. Dig Dug. Um, which is great because I love the title of this episode because obviously Dig Dug's the arcade game, uh, but also like it represents kind of Hopper in the underground, the Dig Dug right, thing. Right. And then also Dig Dug is the game that's broken with Lucas and the blah, blah, blah. So, but uh, I think uh, I think it's my turn to lead with likes, sure. dislikes. Um I do love that we see a little bit more of both Dustin's and Lucas's home lives because I really feel like we got a lot of that from Mike in season one and didn't get any of it from Dustin and Lucas. So I like that we see more of that. Oh, I think Lucas. Is- I failed to mention in additional characters for the season. I think Lucas's sister is one of the f- 
best additions to the show period she is so flipping funny great. shut up <laughs> like, <laughs> i got a code for you shut your mouth like oh my it was so it was so great yeah she's she's wonderful um i love in the opening in in episode one when they're doing the or uh i think it's episode episode two when they're doing the whole like ghostbusters pictures and she mouths to him nerd yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's all oh, man it's so great she's 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 a fun character she's really great so yeah, I love that. I love you know the exchange with with Lucas's parents, and I've already mentioned several times how much I love Dustin and his mom. Um, I do like in this season or in this episode that they address the sort of romantic tension with Jonathan and Nancy, but it's still just that that all just kind of annoys me. We'll get there in a little bit, but that just kind of that just kind of annoys me. I did want to say, Mister Nathan Rouse, at the risk of. Uh, uh, a further beating a dead horse or at least a dead bear. I did love, again, sort of validating myself, uh, hashtag rogue bear. Uh, Murray has a line that I wrote down where he says, when when Jonathan and Nancy first arrive, and Murray says, well, I hope you didn't come all this way to tell me about the bear in the Harrington kids' backyard, because I've heard that one already. And I was like, did the Stranger Things creators listen to our podcast and know about Rogue Bear and blah, blah, blah? That's not true. That didn't happen. So, but but I did. I, I like that. Um, I have I have several likes in this episode, so I may defer to you before I'm done. But um, the last one that I'll that I'll say, like in this moment, is I love what I call the rise of Bob the Brain. Like this is where he finally comes in and he sees all the all the Vine pictures and the Vine puzzles and everything. Like I like I love just just him sort of becoming more active in the show sure, sure one thing i will say about the bob the brain thing and this is a kind of an overt you talk about those on the nose winks and nods that they do um when he they're like the objective is to find the x and he's like well what's at the x pirate treasure i mean it's an obvious call out to the fact that he was in the goonies and that's mm. they find a pirate treasure map with an x and blah 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 um that was a bit on the nose for me but still kind of fun so I have a few more, but I want to want to defer to you to toss a few out there. Yeah, I love that the show is listening to me too. And Dustin says to Mike's dad, "You're really no help at all." Exactly. <laughs> I thought about that, and I wrote I wrote down make sure Nathan feels validated that Mr. Wheeler really is useless. I wrote this down on my on my notes. Well, good. Mr. Wheeler really is just a nothing character. Yeah, uh, I love. Uh, Dustin's delivery after he sequesters Dart when he just says, I'm sorry, you ate my cat. <laughs> great oh, delivery. I, and we should mention um, this episode and the following one were directed by Andrew Stanton of Pixar fame. Yes. Finding um, Nemo, Finding Dory. Um, Wally, I think, too. I said it's clever, but the drawings don't have nearly the strength of the Christmas lights. There are, I agree. Yeah, the Christmas lights are just so strong. Like, how do you follow that up? I do love the drawings, but I do agree with you that they don't hold the power that the Christmas lights do. Sure. I also wrote Hopper and the Attack of the Bad CGI Tendrils, but <laughs> me beating a dead dart. Um, yeah, that's my likes-dislikes. What else do you have for that before we get to scares? Um, I did want to point out this maybe would count as a trivial bit, but after Max hears from Lucas the, the whole story of season one, she kind of speaks yeah. for all of the critics of Stranger Things. You know, she's like, I have a few issues. It was a little derivative. I wish it was more original. I was like, okay, that's a that's a way to hang a lantern on your on your critics right, right there. Right, right. Um, 
I will say that my least favorite episode, this might be, even though it's got some great moments in it, all the stuff where Eleven goes and finds her mom and the flashback stuff, that's um, that's my least favorite part of this whole season. Like, yep. I just, I, I really, I really zone out during that. I, I didn't, I didn't find much value to it almost at all. Uh, that's one thing I had for there. And then I'm ready to move into scares right out the gate. Hopper is sprayed in the face and trapped in the upside down. I was like, holy crap. And I was sitting there thinking, are they going to have the guts and like take Hopper out? Like, is that what's about to right, happen? Right. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it didn't. Um, but one of my three favorite moments of the season, probably third place favorite moments of the season or sequences is Dustin trapping the Demogorgon. Like that was great. Him, yeah. him suiting up. You know, there's a couple of scares where the Demogorgon like sees him and then gets closer to him, and the whole he runs out, and then and the thing is just like, oh, I, I don't know what to do. Um, so that whole sequence was just that was my third favorite moment of the whole season. So so I love that. And then my final sort of scare note is just that when they're burning the thing at the end, yep. and Will is having yep. a seizure, Whoa. that is. I mean, shout out to Noah Shap, the actor. That yes, was he delivered really effective. Well, because have you ever seen a character give a convulsion quite that way? I mean, I don't know. He was he no. was just selling it. He was selling it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's horrifying to watch. So so yeah, that's a that's a huge scare for me. Well, because don't they don't they? I mean, that's the close of the episode, right? It's just that, yeah, it, that it image cuts of on him, him kind of writhing. Yes, yeah, that's what the credits cut to. Um, so yeah, horrifying final final image, and of course hinting at how connected he is, following the mind flare, like getting into his into his head. Um, you know, really really hinting at that deeper connection in general. Which brings us to episode six, Harriet, the spy, Harriet the spy, Harriet the spy. So what you what do you like and dislike about this episode? Um, I really. We we should have mentioned him. At the, I think you may have mentioned him um, in last week's episode, but the investigator guy just doesn't work for me. Um, I, I don't. I yeah, don't, I don't even quite know what it is. Like I just, did, it was like he's in the series, and then suddenly he's not, and then he's back in, but he's super important when he's back in. It was just, it was an odd kind of inclusion. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I. I didn't like almost at all that whole plot line. Yeah. Everything about Jonathan yep. and Nancy yep. trying to like expose yep. Hawkins. Almost at all, I didn't like that plot line. So because Murray is so entrenched in that, um, and I have a kind of hit and run thing when we get into themes, but because he's so entrenched in that, I really didn't. I really didn't care very much for that. He does have a couple of funny lines though. Sure, um, but uh, but yeah, it just um, it just didn't quite quite gel for me either as a character although i did hear one thing in beyond stranger things they said it would be really fun if in a future season something in the plot line has to partner him up with hopper because they would be such a like they would goad each other so much but it might be a kind of a fun dynamic um so so yeah there's there's that i did love what i wrote down was lucas's sister's line oh he man thank you for saving my life what strong muscles you have (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i know i love her so much she's so hysterical now i wrote down you referenced it for last episode so maybe this happens in, in two versions uh, or two different ways what i wrote down is max to steve but i don't remember is that do i have that backwards one of them says to the other i'm 100 percent sure it wasn't a bear 
Or are you 100% sure it wasn't a bear? That's it. Max says to Steve, are you 100% sure it wasn't a bear? And I just thought of Reed. Um, uh, no, because what I was referencing was what Murray right, says. Right, right. Murray says something. So, yeah, that Max to Steve. I think this is different. when they, this must be once they've gotten out to the uh, junkyard. Um, sure, sure. This is also the introduction of the Steve and Dustin buddy, buddy, buddy stuff, which is just. Right. That's. My my favorite elements of the season would be Hopper and Eleven, and more or less all the Dustin and Steve stuff, and Steve in general. Um, those are the strongest yes. elements to yes. me. Um, yeah, I love the two of them together. That's my favorite pairing that the show has has put on there. I for me, it even trumps Hopper and Eleven. But I but I, I yeah. Well, I think there. I think I think the Dustin Steve is a fantastic character pairing. I think the stakes and sort of the emotional element of the 11 hopper give it a different flavor, you know, totally agree. Totally Um, agree. Yeah. I just wrote great shot of all the soldiers lights going out at the end. Oh yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, When we get into scares. Yeah. That was, that is, that is a fantastic, very effective shot. One thing that I did write uh, a complaint that I have is um, I feel like Mike in this season was given two instructions. Be worried for Will and pine for Eleven. And I feel like that's oh, all Mike's given bad. to do. It was bad. Yeah, through through the entire thing. And it really sort of plays out in this moment. I realized when he was in this, I'm like, wow, Mike really has not been given anything terribly much to do. Yeah, in, in, this, in this season. I feel like one thing that I have is I feel like Hopper really messed up with L, like in his home, in his own sort of like machismo Hopper way. He was trying to do what he thought he could he could maybe do but he really messes up with her and by the time he calls on the cb and is really confessional and is really honest and vulnerable it's a great scene wonderful moment but uh it's too late she's gone you know and uh and so so that was really sort of emotional um one line that i that i love that i'm gonna have to censor here is uh when they're at the junkyard and then all of a sudden steve comes up and is like you know Hey, I'm going to use the word jerks instead of what he says. Like, you know, hey, jerks, how come the only one helping me out is this random girl? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> loved that. Um, and, uh, and, and I will say, I guessed, well, I intuited pretty early on that the Mind Flayer thing was going to use Will. That, again, I, I can't remember if I said this already or if we said it off pod or not, um, that for me... It it like the the track that my mind went on pretty quickly was okay. The mind flayer is gonna use Will to hurt everybody around him. Like that's that's what his intention is. So when Mike and Will are talking about like no, we'll spy on him and we'll do this other thing, I was like, nope. He is gonna use Will to get all of you guys. So the conceit at the end of Spy when Will is like supposedly been trying to help them out, right. but then it's revealed that it was an ambush. That was no surprise to me at all. I was like, okay, yep, this is exactly what I thought was going to happen. This is the direction that I thought this whole thing was going to go. Um, but it's still, it's still terrifying when it happens. Like, like for me, like it's still a really effective, freaky sort of moment. Um, but that's all I had for likes, dislikes in, 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 in terms of we can move into, uh, we can move into scares if you have any. Um, I don't, well, I mean, I guess the soldier's light sequence, what I went, what I wrote down is I wanted more Demogorgon, but I don't know what that means out of context. So, you know, does is one that, show is, up? Well, yeah, a horde of them shows up. Well, so, well, so this one, I'm not referring I, to I, dogs, but go ahead, go ahead. I have it in, I have it in my scares, but Steve, again, 
lot of love for Steve Harrington, but Steve's face-off with the Demogorgons out in the field happens in this episode right, where right. it's foggy and right, he's facing down right. the one and then the second one comes up and all of that. Um, like that really, that was really effective. It's one of my, one of the most tense moments in the season for me. I really responded very heavily to that. And then that, of course, culminates in, you know, the Hawkins Lab red shirts all getting dispatched with, uh, which I think is a really effective and, and freaky sort of sequence. All right. So let's, uh, let's jump into the, you know, just one of the finest pieces of television cinema. Uh, of the modern era. Um, tip your hat too heavily there. That would be episode... Oh, it was beautiful. That would be episode <laughs> seven of season two, also titled The Lost Sister. Um, my mild understanding is this is, re- regardless of my personal feelings on the season of the, on the season as a whole, this is a very, very divisive episode for fans. Oh, um, absolutely. I, I didn't read absolutely. anything, but just seeing glances of people's responses and whatnot. Um, my opening dislike, it says Eleven is just another X-Man now. Just, <laughs> just part of the, part of some new team. Um, I said, I'm, I wrote this down at the top of the episode. I said, I'm going to go out on a limb, uh, or rather, Eleven is going to go out on a limb with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants only to realize her real home is with Hopper. So, you know. And you said that at the beginning of the episode, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of um, and that is what I sort of meant. I think it was last week at this point on shortcuts and things I don't need explained to me and things I do need explained to me, like, or things I want explained to me. Like, I didn't need a whole episode just to know that. Then this is what I meant. Sure, remember, sure. remember last week when we were talking about Steve and the Marquis? Like, oh, that, absolutely. That yeah. single isolated act does a ton. Um, and in this, they experimented with a whole episode to do one. Like, that's all that episode does. You, you could make the case it kind of expands the world a little bit. And I won't totally disagree with that, except there's no real payoff for that this season. But in terms of character work, all it does is kind of, okay, sure, maybe it pushes Eleven's powers a little bit, but in terms of emotional character work, it just gets us to this one singular place, which is, hey, my sort of place, my home is with these people. Yeah, and I don't even disagree with that criticism, but I'm, uh, so, so I didn't do any external work or read any external reviews. But you can just simply glance at the IMDb ratings for the episodes. Oh, really? It's like 8.9, 8.5, 9.1, 9. 9.2. Then you get to Lost Sister and it's like 6.2. Wow. <laughs> and then, and then you know, like hikes back up for the, for the final two episodes. I am in a bit of an apologist for this episode. In the conversations that I've had with a few friends following the show and a couple of conversations with my wife and everything, um, I'll agree the episode has some huge problems. And I definitely think that the beats they try to hit in episode seven would have been better served to be dispersed out through a few other episodes. Sure. Like if they sure. wanted to take these these beats, still include them, but have them be elements of three, four, five, and six, and then just get eleven to them faster and then do all of this sort of uh parsing out, I think it might have been a little bit better received. That having been said, there are two moments in this episode that genuinely move me that that I without like trying to foster up defense 
really got quite touched by. So, I mean, the episode is problematic because it you end on such a killer cliffhanger with six, and then you then you go off with eleven right, to all right. these other places. It's like, oh my gosh, that's just that's just ridiculous. So, I recognize that that's problematic. I also recognize that it's problematic that the this is the second time that we've seen these people in the show. So, and so the that's first time you saw it was for a two minute scene at the very beginning, right, exactly. Right. So, I recognize that that's a problem. That having been said, the the train yard when she's moving the train, to me, that's less about expanding her power base and more about coming to an understanding of the trauma that she's dealing with. Sure. Because she's been isolated for over a year. Like she's she's been oh well, not well, quite over gonna, a year. Well, it's like three fifty two days, something like well, that. Well, take that um, a step further. She was taken from her parents or her parent oh sure and sure yeah, kept yeah. in isolation for 11 years or however yeah old exactly she is. exactly and so like i i think for me that moment when kali is kind of like sitting there kali t- uh, or Callie or however you say that she's sitting there like you know this is the pain this is what they've done to you you know take all of that and use it and then the music swells and you see the flashbacks and they did that that moment really worked very well for me i know that the episode itself is very weak and I, I won't even defend, you know, the strength of the episode itself. But that moment genuinely got me uh, in terms of what it meant for Eleven to come into that sort of realization of like, hey, these things were all done to me, but I, but I do have a strength, and I do have, you know, a capacity to move somewhere else from beyond that that I'm not defined by that. Um, so I did like that, and uh, like I said, had the show. All of the things in that episode done something more crucial to the overall plot. I think it might have been better received by fans. Um, I think that the characters are the, the the sort of extra characters are all very poorly drawn, right? Very shallow characters. They're 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 caricatures almost. Uh, them and their little Scooby Doo mystery van. Um, so so I really I really do acknowledge that the episode has some big problems. That having been said, genuine like got teared up like actually got teared up when 11 is in the void and sees that hopper is in trouble and sees that mike is in trouble right right, right. and and like like i genuinely like kind of got teared up i was like oh man she's gone off on this journey of self-discovery and now is sort of coming to terms with or you know recognizing like holy crap they need me you know i it's it's similar. I'll tell you what it evokes. It is it evokes that moment in episode six of season one where Mike and Dustin are kind of doing their own thing and then Eleven comes in and saves the day at the quarry. You know? Right, right, right. Like it it like it reminded me of that. And so then like when Callie says to her, Don't go back to them, they they can't save you, Jane. Like they and that's her line. They can't right, save you, right, Jane. Right. And of course she says no, but I can save them. Like Nathan, like I know that the episode is weak. But dude, I loved that. Sure. I absolutely loved that moment. And then like her running away while the only people who are close to understanding who she is and what she's going through are driving in the opposite direction. Like that that was really moving to me. It was a well, very and you could almost, you know, impactful thing. Um thoughts that are coming to me. <laughs> One, be- well before this recording, I had this thought the other day. I was like, this th- it's imp- it's surprising to me how much lost reference is happening in these two episodes but um 
my thought was this must be what people feel like when they watched Beyond the Sea and Lost. Oh yes, yes, you know, it's exactly. Like, it's this like is exactly that. Um, although, yes, with a little tweak to it, but yes. Um, for anyone who hasn't watched Lost, the penultimate episode of six seasons of show did exactly what not this- quite penultimate two before the end, but yes. Um. Okay. Because what well, yes. follows beyond the sea is what they died for. Pointing out to you. Because okay, yeah, yeah, and then the and then yeah. the end. Um. Uh. So somewhere in there. To, to well, regardless, it is preempted by a pretty significant cliffhanger, right? I mean, that's the yeah, absolutely that's the yeah, submarine, the candidate. right? The candidate, yes. yes, yeah, yeah, and that, yeah, absolutely. Well, anyway, so in Lost, there's this big dramatic moment that ends with all the characters that you've grown to love for five seasons, and then suddenly, for one whole hour, we pivot thousands of years into the past, um, right? For an expository episode, which for a a, a uber fans like ourselves i don't mind it i can kind of go i can kind of go and understand the criticism but i didn't mind it personally again when you consolidate all of this down that's a huge pivot to make in nine episodes of a second season what would have been interesting and this just came to me as you were thinking this i would have been so much more this this you know i think maybe you do this i i do this a lot like how how can you take the pieces of a puzzle of a piece of media and reconfigure them in such a way that's like, okay, well that will help me make more sense of it. Or um, this might be how I would have seen it or done it. Like I love the hopper 11 stuff and I'm not even suggesting to trade that, but the power of episode seven would have been far more potent. Imagine this after don't ask me exactly how to connect all of these dots as we know i'm not really great at that but (laughs) uh after 11 dissipates with the demogorgon at the end of season one instead of apparating into the upside down and then and then you know being born back into hawkins middle school and then roaming the the wilderness what if again don't ask me how this would happen but she ends up where with these characters if there's a much shorter sure, a much sure. shorter distance like if you had peppered 11 story if her story would get rid of the mom stuff it doesn't really do much other than sure, other sure. than introduce her to the concept of number eight and just have her thread along her story be with them one i've got more time to sort of buy in on these characters yeah yeah i hear you two what you're describing as what you felt of the emotional payoff to me would be far more formidable and potent because by then we're ready. We're ready for her to go back yeah. and be a part. I don't know. I just think that would have been an interesting. It again, might have been. It's, a, it's an interesting. I, I, I love, I love the Hopper 11 stuff. So I'm not ready to say right. I would trade that right. for that, but it would have been an interesting choice. Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree. Um, I don't have any scares for this episode though, because like, like honestly, the closest I get to it is her seeing, you know, Mike running and saying it's a trap and, and all this other sort of stuff. The, the episode's not really scary, which is another sort of uh, ding against it, as it were. So, yeah, I mean, I, summing up that episode, I, I just I, I recognize that it's weak. I recognize that it's flawed. I will just sort of toss a grenade in a backpack that so much of the season felt so formulaic or re- repetitive to things that had come in season one that 
For me, there was a part of me that really wanted to champion and applaud them trying something a little different, but that doesn't mean that it worked. Right. And that doesn't right. mean that, right. that it was successful. I do just want to applaud uh, their efforts to try to to try to tell it in such a way. And like you said, like I didn't even put it together, but that the across the sea analogy, I think, is is perfect, is perfectly apt, that it very much was that sort of problem. You have a story you need to tell. You've paced the others very deliberately. So you then you pivot over to this other, you know, sort of fill in the blanks right, kind right. of chapter. And there's a couple of, of powerful scenes in that episode, but overall it just wasn't quite it wasn't quite placed in the right way and it wasn't it wasn't executed in a way that really sort of benefited or bolstered the rest of the season. Well, I am I am admittedly a little glad to hear you say season 2 feels a bit formulaic to season 1 just cuz it feels like Oh um, yeah. yeah. It feels like I I've, I've been the only one doing the nail baseball bat beating uh (laughs) (laughs) well again four versus eight like i like yeah i have some dings i love it but it sounds like you like didn't like it like maybe that's not quite fair but but, Uh, i mean that's that's a reasonable assessment um well and and there is a chance i would give this a chance that a repeat viewing would again iron out some of those wrinkles but the feeling associated with finishing season two is so different than the feeling of finishing season one the first time that i don't i just don't know but yeah regardless um episode eight is the mind flare uh we are closing closing in on this this would in fact be the penultimate episode read like yes it is um of season two at least oh we love that word what I wrote is actor playing Will, whom, whose name you've got in front of you and have said it multiple yeah, times. Yeah, no, just really delivering. Yeah, he's he's incredible in that whole interrogation scene. Yeah, that was oh, that's that's absolutely phenomenal. Well, that was one of, that was one of those few scenes. So there are moments where I feel like there's some convenient plot choices made to get certain things, get puzzle pieces in place in a way that previously didn't feel quite so heavy handed. That particular scene felt really strong from a character standpoint with, uh, Joyce and Jonathan and even Mike finally getting some, some dialogue this season when they're sharing those stories of their experience with Will. Like I really, I really, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's a very kind of moving sequence, you know, like they're trying desperately to reach out to him. And yeah, it was, it was really nice character beats for everybody involved. And then, uh, uh, I put, of course, like, you can't talk about this episode without, you know, pouring a cold one out for old Bob the Brain, um, who I think really, like, it, it, it's a nice emotional roller coaster because he really shines in this episode in terms of helping out the rest of our group. And then it's it's pretty rough when, when oh, yeah. he has to go. Like, it's a, it's a pretty violent, gory kind of scene. Um, it's quite gory, and, actually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really is. Now, something that I wanted to save for trivial bits uh, till we get to this episode. I don't know if you know, but Bob was always going to die. Like that, that was always going to be a story beat. It was actually going to happen much earlier. Like Will was going to kill Bob when the Demogor- when the mind flayer first like infected him. Will was going to take Bob out. But they liked Sean Astin so much that they kept wanting to work with him and give him some stuff to do. Uh, so and and uh, it's reported that Sean said he didn't. He didn't care how his character died as long as it was somewhat heroic. <laughs> um, but yeah, that whole sequence of Bob 
making his way over, you know, speaking basic and getting the lights on, getting the power on. Very reminiscent in some ways of like Jurassic Park, but uh, but like making his way on through and then the whole broom closet thing. That I was, was like, great. oh, yeah. yeah, that was that was it was really a, a very nice send off for a character that I think of all of the new additions to the show, easily the strongest character. And even though I would have loved to have seen Bob in season three. Uh, a really nice, effective uh, kind of send-off. Uh, did you have any more uh, likes, dislikes about it? I have one more major one. Um, I did write the Demogorgon overthrow is pretty cool. And I think what I meant by that note now, in hindsight, is just the, you know, kind of the <clears throat> the building having been overtaken by them. It's, it's just... Yes, a, yes. It's a nice, uh, nice device. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I wrestled with with Bob's demise. I, I, don't ask me exactly how this would have to work, but I almost wished there had been some sort of Mister Baldo illusion. Like, like that was clearly such a significant character moment for him when he shares that with Will. Sure. That, and again, I don't know how exactly you would do it, but um, it felt like it would have been interesting to see some sort of his because because. He doesn't stand off against them. He gets right, right. assaulted by them kind of out of the blue, you know. Yeah. So one thing I will say about Bob that I thought was a really nice touch. I don't know if you caught this line, but afterwards, you know, Bob's dead, the family's all back at the house, and then Mike picks up the little puzzle stuff, the Bob the Brain puzzle stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he says, almost as a throwaway line, but he says, did you know that Bob first started the AV club? And and so I was like, that was really cool because it leaves you with the impression that like, if Bob had been younger and in school in the events of season one, he would have been right along with the rest of our of our team, you know? And it was just, it was a really nice touch for a character that I think made a big splash this season. And, and I think, I think it was good. I think it was really, really well done. Oh, um, one more. I'm sorry. One more dislike before we get too far away from it. Uh, you know, Billy's parents scene. I, I just, I mean, just. Oh, it's. Uh, because of course. I just threw because, up in my mouth a little bit. You met bringing up. Billy well, if you, you probably threw up a little polywog. Um, <laughs> Uh, look out, trash cans! Uh, like, right, right, trash cans of Hawkins. Look out! Um, I, what I wrote down is it's too late. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. This was so easy to forecast. Like, of course. Yeah. Oh, yep, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, his dad beats him. Okay. Yeah. Like, yep. Of course. That's not interesting. <laughs> I don't know, man. And what's interesting yeah. is I did what I did watch of the um beyond hearing the duffers talk about oh we really wanted a human villain which I'm, I'm not even saying don't do but man it just it you have to have i think you have to have some dimensionality you gotta have some shades and that character has no shades whatsoever oh absolutely well and even if you're gonna have him like at least going back to my main complaint at least if you want to have a human villain have him have some impact on the main plot uh, like really we'll get to it in uh, in the next episode but Really, his only main plot is to antagonize and annoy and and hurt our main characters. Like that—that's all he does. He doesn't impact. Like it would have been substantial if, in the reverse of Bob, if something that Billy's character did, like deepened or expanded the hold the mind flayer had on the rest of our characters. That might have been sure. somewhat interesting. If, if in his 
brazen sort of debagness if <laughs> if he had you know if he had done something that would have made things worse or raised the stakes like then now you've got a human villain you know but right. as it is he's just kind of he's just kind of there and yeah i don't i don't like him almost at all uh, um do you have any other things for episode 8 i love l's entrance i love it like when she finally like the demogorgon is is tossing around outside and all this stuff going on and then they're all armed to the teeth. Lucas has even got his little monster right. killer there, yeah. you know? Um, and then, you know, then she just makes this big grand entrance. Like, I love the look on Mike's face. I love the music. I love, like, everything about it. I just love. I think it's great. Well, that's, that's episode eight, the mind flayer. Let me ask you, because you, 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 I mean, we could easily talk about this some in episode nine, but I mean this as an objective question. It sounds like I'm just piling on everything on this season. I, I mean this as a genuine question, not just me being a turd. Um, like, I don't love the Mike and Eleven sort of pseudo romance or whatever it's supposed to be. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, I it, really it's, like I, it. um, I am not trying to suggest I don't appreciate the sort of playful of not playful, the endearing sort of affection, like, but it almost feels by the end the show is trying to play it as a bit more adult of a ro- adult of a romance than I think it should be. I don't know if that makes sense. Interesting. Um, I mean, I do understand what you're saying. I just I just took it a little differently. Yeah. I mean, it feels very sort of naive and innocent, but in that way, there's an almost a kind of a purity to it. They just they just are connected. They right, just like right, each other. Right. Um, and, uh, and so to me that, that I find that very sweet and there are some things that we could get into. Yeah. And I don't, uh, I'm not, episode nine, I would agree but, with you with the word sweet. I like that word just in general. And I like yeah. food that is sweet. Um, so yes, yes. <laughs> you want to, uh, you want to close the gate? Let's bring yeah, it home. Let's close, let's the, close gate. the gate. We'll, we'll let's get into it. a little bit of thematic stuff and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it all up. Um, so, piggybacking off your comment about Mike and and L, I actually really love the way that Hopper deals with Mike uh, regarding the whole L revelation. When Mike realizes, like, "Oh, you've been hiding her. What are you talking about? What are you doing? You've been hiding her this whole time." Um, that whole moment, I really liked Mike's freak out, Hopper like taking it, and then you know br- drawing him in for a hug. Right. Uh, that all that that all felt really, really, really nice. I did write down. I said. I don't dislike Max, but I do kind of love that Elle won't shake her hand. <laughs> like, like oh, I do kind of yeah. love that whole moment where she's like holding her like, oh, I've heard so much about you. And Elle's like, nah, and it just walks by her. I, think, I, I actually do kind of love that moment, uh, even though I don't, I don't dislike Max. Sir Diva, um, Diva moment. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, but, oh, good God, Billy just annoys the crap out of me. I can't, like, I can't, I can't think about him without having, like, a toothache he, he just it, it bothers me it, like his whole showing up and being racist towards lucas for no darn good reason and then and then i did write down i put i do love steve's hero moment but man this show seems to love beating him about the face <laughs> like, like the show right, just loves right. to make steve get get beat the crap up do you think i thought about bringing this up earlier but i knew it would probably come up here i mean do you think the show intends Billy to be gay. 
Um, because there are so many, question. there are, I haven't really thought about it. Well, think about it in the sense of, it sounded like I was like, well, do think about it. <laughs> well, do think about like, it. Like one, you're playing on the eighties, this sort of, you know, it would have been a very kind of homophobic period in time, but, um, uh, he more than once when the subject of girls comes up references, not my type, right? Oh, interesting. He yeah, says, he even says it to, uh, Cara Buono, aka Mrs. Wheeler. Mm-hmm. When the dad is accosting him so fiercely, he uses the, the F word, the, the slur. Um, oh, right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. I, I think, that's true. yeah, that's true. I, I think that's, and his, and he's so angry, you know, like, anyway, I don't know. It, it, I wondered if they were sort of trying to intimate that. Um, but I'm with you. Like, the scene yeah, of, it wouldn't shock me. The scene of him showing up, man, I'm like, by the time he's beating Steve up, I was like, whatever. This is so, that this, this is so unearned. Like, yeah, y- you, yeah. you really feel like you can see the creative strings of, oh, come on. Like, let, get Steve out of this situation. Why would you even put this character sure, in this sure. moment? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, I, Billy I sucks. <laughs> Billy, Billy does <laughs> suck. Um, uh, I wrote down, I love the exchange that Hopper and L have in the truck. Uh, yes, when they're, yes. d- when they're kind of resolving the conflict that they've had for a while. Um, that is just, it's sweet. It, it, I, I, I love, I love so much of that relationship. And I think it culminates so perfectly, uh, for where they're going and what they're going to do for them to resolve all of those issues feels really nice. No, I tell that's, that's actually what I wrote was really strong scene between the two of them. Um, his sort of black hole kind of moment. Right. right. I love, and then I, also, I, I did love, I'm sorry. I did love the, um, I mentioned this. It might have been last week at this point, but, uh, and this may be getting away, getting ahead of you here, but Steve and Steve and the gang in the, in the upside down. Oh, uh, yes. I mean, that was, oh, a, that, so was that was a really yeah. strong sequence. Um, yeah. I, I sort of, oh, I yeah, sort of I would it. have loved to have seen a little more of that kind of thing, but, uh, but that was really great. You know, as much as, as much as I, I had, do have mixed feelings about the use of 11 overall. I mean, I get it. Millie Bobby Brown kills it. Like that moment. Oh my gosh. That moment. Are you referring to the gate closing? What are you referring to? Where she closes the gate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm referring to where she closes the gate. Holy cow. Because then, and that kind of retroactively justifies episode seven a bit more for me because it's, it's, papa's line of like you have a wound you know and and not to tip my hat too heavily but uh, this is going to come up again in themes but uh this this whole idea of like this is what she's been building towards she feels like she's a monster because she opened this gate so this is much more her closing it is much more than her just rescuing her friends this is also a very deeply personal thing that she's accomplishing when she's doing this. Right. She's having to call upon all of her resources to do it. Uh, very powerful moment. Love it. Love it so much. Love Hopper, like picking off the right. dogs right. and everything. Like love everything about that moment. It's freaky as crap that the mind flayer kind of looks at her and then that is wild. tendril thing out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. I love everything about that scene. The uh, just a few other likes of this particular episode. For all the sort of mixed feelings I might have about the season as a whole, I did love the last kind of 
10 minutes or so of season oh, nine. Snowball? Uh, oh. Yeah. I mean, like the Dustin's hair bit is such a fantastic payoff to the, oh, it's so great to the Steve Dustin relationship. I mean, Absolutely. even, and, and uh, we brushed past it, but the scene of them on the railroad tracks, uh, in seven, I guess, or no, not in seven in six, perhaps, um, of Steve imparting the hair uh, process. Yes. That was oh so gosh. good. Yes. That's hysterical. That, that was, was such great. A great beat, oh, uh, with, was fantastic. with fantastic payoff with Dustin's hair in episode nine. Um, Absolutely. What I wrote down is Steve is the unsung hero of Hawkins. He's, he really is. He's yeah. In my, in my book, hashtag justice for Steve. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I totally agree. One thing that I do want to mention, a uh, couple things specifically about, uh, that snowball. But before I mention that, uh, we, we kind of breezed right by this or didn't mention it at all. I do love the fight that Joyce and Jonathan and Nancy put up for Will. Like I, I wrote down the exorcism of Will Byers. Sure. Um, where, where they, you know, they won't, they refuse to give up on him. And it harkens back to all the stuff that we said last week about like not giving up on people and et cetera. But I do love that whole sequence. Um, but hopping back into Snowball, did you catch in, because it, 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 a couple of blinks and you'll miss it. But, um, when L arrives, when Eleven arrives, she's wearing Hopper's blue bracelet. Do you know about the blue bracelet thing? Do you know about all uh, that? I don't remember if I do. So, so Hopper always wore a, bl- a blue bracelet around his arm, uh, around his wrist. Um, through the whole season one, he's, he's wearing it. All of season two, he's wearing it. It is revealed in episode eight of season one, the final episode, that that blue bracelet was his daughter's ponytail bracelet. Uh, like that that's what she put in. Right, right. And that throughout the whole show, he's wearing that bracelet. That's cool. Episode nine, when Eleven shows up at Snowball, she's got it on her left arm. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I almost got, like, choked up and everything. I was like, oh, my God. That, that is, is awesome. That is absolutely fantastic. Because it's already, no, you know, we see the birth certificate that Dr. Owens gives him, like, Jane Hopper. Like, right, he's going right. to adopt Elle. And, and so, so, it was just beautiful. It was just, it was absolutely lovely. Every moment, I couldn't agree more with you that, like, every moment of Snowball uh, is just so satisfying and so wonderful. You get... The Nancy and Dustin thing, the great. Lucas and Max thing, yeah. you know, uh, Mike seeing Eleven, Will gets asked to dance as Zombie Boy, and one thing that I commented to my wife, um, the Joyce and Hopper thing, I said, I hope the show does not take them into a romantic place because I so love the kind of brother-sister thing that they've that they've got going on, um, and, and I just- That's interesting because I think, I think that's a guarantee- that it will go uh, there. A romantic thing? Yeah. I mean, that's... Nah, I kind of hope not. That's in, in large part, to me, why... You, this is why when Sean Astin enters the scene as a love interest, you're almost positive, like, yeah, he's going to die. <laughs> Just because the I show... I see that. I, I, yeah. I like your vision of Joyce and Hopper as this sort of sibling-esque thing, but I don't think that's... And I, and I might would have been a bit more on board with it, except, correct me if I'm wrong, season one pretty heavily implies they have a history a romantic history way back in the day right right i think so but i think you're right i i I think i think before the series is over that will be a cemented kind of romantic relationship probably right here's here's a random i think i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna throw something random at you real quick so and then we can pop back in pop back into uh snowball um 
I actually thought you, you referenced this, the exorcism of Will Byers, like as strong a scene as that was the episode prior. I don't remember what made me think this. I almost wish this had happened. I wondered were we heading for a monster will like fully enthralled by the shadow monster face off with 11. And I was like, that would be pretty, pretty ballin, you know, yeah, to have had that sort of, uh, that sort of showdown. Anyway. Uh, no, I agree with you. Thank you. We didn't, uh, (laughs) we, we didn't get it, but we did get the snowball and it's, yeah, it's, nice. it's it's delightful. Did you catch the? Um, uh, it's a bit on the nose, but uh, uh, the police song, every breath you take, you know, every move you make, and then sure enough, it shows us very deliberately that every breath they take and move they make, that the mind flayer will be watching. Right, them. right. <laughs> um, so it's a bit on the nose, but it's still I liked it. Um, I, I thought it was kind of cool. Um, so yeah, I, I overall I really. Um, I really found a lot to latch on to in this season, emotionally, uh, narratively. Did you have anything else before we sort of start steering the plane towards home with some theme conversation? No. Um, I think. Did I'm- you have any specific theme? Like, here's why I asked this, and I asked this as intending a profound amount of respect. Uh, when you when you dislike something, I know it's sometimes a little harder. <laughs> sure, it's a little harder to to glom onto something thematically. I have one pretty strong, but I want to yield if you well, uh, if you have something that you did sort of pull out. I do like. It's funny. My my strongest thematic notes are actually from the first third of the season. Um, Interesting. Okay. Which isn't. Which yes, it that would be indicative of the further it went, the less I was kind of bought in the, the, the sort of less I was finding. Um, and, and hear me like I will continue to watch stranger things and your interpretation of some things is a bit, uh, helpful to my animus or cynicism towards some of it. Animus is a strong word <laughs> towards my cynicism towards some of it that once stranger things three rolls around i will i will of course you know give give some heed to where we go with that um sure i think a couple of thematic notes that are purely just lines and i don't have a ton of exposition to accompany but um i loved jonathan and will's conversations in episode one um jonathan yeah uh, says being a freak is the best. And in the same scene says nobody normal ever accomplished anything in this world. Um, right. And I do like, you know, there's, there are ways in which if you take the supernatural stuff out, this show has echoes of that kind of freaks and geeks kind of thing. And this just sort of, sure, you know, ad- adolescence youthfulness is just a really challenging season for everybody. You all feel like freaks and out of place and, like you, you're sure uh, stranger things are happening to you. And, <laughs> um, so I really like see what you did there. Yeah. You like that? Um, I really liked, uh, just some of what pulls out of that particular scene. And I always think that the Jonathan will relationship is really strong. I mean, that's just a really for, yeah, for yeah. whatever, for whatever. And I don't a hundred percent disagree with you though. I, I am more empathetic towards that actor than I think you are. I do think that Jonathan will, relationship has been strong throughout the series total. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
You know, my other major thematic note, uh, I will credit to Samwise Gamgee, um, is in episode three. I'm pretty sure this is when he's talking about Mr. Baldo. Yeah, it, it, it would have to be. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a haunting line. And even regardless of where the, the story in Stranger Things 2 goes, but he says to Will, the ones who don't punch back get taken advantage of. Oh, yes, yes. Cause he loves that Joyce punches back. Yeah. Does he say that to Joyce? He says it to okay, Joyce. Okay. Yeah. I wrote it. I wrote, all I did was write down the quote. I didn't write down the context. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I, I, I think sort of like I, I will always think of our let me in conversation about practical faith in an impractical world. You know, like, like what right, is, what right. is it, what does it mean to put actual, uh, hands and feet to what you think and believe? And so. I've got a little mixed feelings theologically about the idea of the ones who don't punch back get taken advantage of, but I kind of of understand it, you know? Um, Right, right. Anyway, those were some of the main kind of thematic stuff. So, I mean. Sure. Well, I have uh, maybe something about the don't punch back is going to come back in my in my in my major theme uh there were so many themes in my opinion to kind of choose from uh i'm gonna hit and run like uh, just like three or four of them uh, sure. i already mentioned kind of a jokey theme of bad advice like lots of bad advice right, is given right. to people with disastrous consequences um another theme that i saw was uh the theme of just trauma and aftermath just like coping with something that was traumatic i didn't bring uh, it up but i did write can- ptsd down yeah i mean yeah, I like, yeah. I like their, uh, uh, their efforts to talk about that. Yeah, I think that's a, a huge element of it. Another thing that I wrote down was uh, transitions, like being in between, stuck in between two places, right. like not feeling really at home in either one of them, you know, kind of like the viewfinder analogy, which I thought was really, was really good. Um, two more real quick. The theme of responsibility came up a lot, not just like taking responsibility or, but also like, uh, holding others accountable for it, like that that kind of thing, which uh, not to divert us back into like a more trivial conversation, but do you feel like justice for Barb finally happened? Like, do you feel like that finally, you know, the fact that there's a funeral, there's acknowledgement, like all that stuff, like, do you feel like that's, well, that, that's to, kind of to, satisfying? To, to address your question, I didn't have a ton of personal investment in hashtag justice for Barb. I found it an interesting thing that fandom took away from it actually in season two i thought wow you you guys overcorrected so heavy with barb like oh, right right you spent right. the entire like nancy's entire story in season two more or less is is justice for barb. right yeah, right right absolutely. it was like okay well there you go yeah well there you go uh and then the oh i'm sorry i have i have t- two more and then a major one we'll talk about the major one okay um compromise uh both the compromise of uh mutual benefit like half happy as as he calls it halfway happy um but also the idea of like watering down the truth watering down uh you know the the moment with the vodka of like yeah we're going to water down the truth to make it more tolerable those are both uh elements of compromise that i think shows up uh occasionally in the show and the other thing that really stuck out to me was the idea of like revealing secrets um 
you know, Hopper is hiding L, uh, Lucas telling Max the truth about everything, the exposure of the Hawkins lab, like just, you know, uncovering secrets. But of all of the themes that that stuck out to me, the biggest one and hit me so, so heavy when I watched it was what I'm actually going to call closing the gate, like like actually shutting shutting the gate. Um, and and how I want to articulate this is when in season one, Eleven thinks that she's the monster because she opened the gate. Mm-hmm. That's what she that's what she says. And you called out to it earlier, and I'm not going to I'm not going to dismiss your criticism, but I actually enjoyed and appreciated some of the flashbacks to season one because of what they did for me in my mind thematically. So she says, uh, you know, I'm the monster. I opened the gate. Um, and then in her vision of Papa, which Kali is like very much responsible for, he says to her, he says, you have a wound and it's festering. Right. Do you remember what festering is? You know, so he says that to her. And this is what like went off in my brain as I'm sitting there watching that phenomenal scene where she's closing the gate is that that's the moment it calls back to when. So here's the connection that that took place in my head is that as she's closing the gate, she's remembering that he says, you have a wound, and and that wound is going to kill you. Now, there's a couple of different ways you could take it. You could take that to mean like, oh, she's going to try so hard and she's going to burst. But it, but but how I kind of walked away from that moment, I walked away from that moment feeling like, holy crap, the wound is this mistake that she feels responsible for, this thing that happened that... She that she feels causes all of this this trouble this trauma right and and so now she's gonna go and she's actually gonna engage with that wound specifically so I so I, so basically my broader sentence of theme is closing the gate on old wounds sure you know like sure. like the pain that was done to her which is why I find that train yard sequence so so compelling you know the things that that drive. Uh, her isolation and all of the unfair treatment that she received and and just just all of those things that were done to her but then also kind of coming out of that the thing that she did as well and being able to get to a place i found it genuinely quite moving and beautiful that that whole sequence at the end of 7 at the at the end of that you know just such a weak episode, but at the end of that episode where she's like, no, I can, I can save them. And, and she realizes that like coming into her own doesn't necessarily mean moving on in this case, but means like, I'm going to, I'm going to seal the loop. Right. And I think, I think there is a time and a place, a purpose and a justification that sometimes you have to shake the dust off your feet and sometimes you have to move forward. But I do think sometimes people progress forward in such deep, unending pain, in such deep uh, uh, bitterness, and and uh, they they just these these roots, the the vines of the upside down just spread throughout the 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 ground of their heart and just cause everything to rot. Uh, because the, the, the wound is still open. Right. And right. yeah, they are far removed from where it opened. And yeah, there's, there's all kinds of time and distance that have happened to it. But the bottom line is it is still o- an open thing. Sure. And, sure. And until she goes, until she goes back and actually, you know, 
forcibly uses all of her willpower to confront that gate and to close it before some even more wicked thing passes through it, then that's the only way that there's going to be wholeness restored to the right side up, as it were. Sure. Um, because those vines of infection have just saturated everything because of that that wound. So something about that metaphor of closing the gate on on old wounds just just deeply impacted me uh, in a way that I think, uh, despite its uh, its noteworthy flaws. Uh, really bolstered my affection for the season as a whole. Um, so I would I would welcome or invite any any thoughts on that or no. I mean I think that's a I think that's a really strong uh, way to to interpret kind of all of season two really. But what's interesting is is you know as as someone who uh, and 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 perhaps you would echo this for yourself. I don't know, but. You know, these, these, these old wounds we live with that we do carry around that we may not have closed the gate on, you know, won't cause weak episodes in our lives per se, but will make us act out, (laughs) will make us act out, you know, and in ways that we don't comprehend or are totally conscious of in the moment. Um, and so, sure, you know, as, as sort of strange, not strange, as sort of, using that word again weak as the the sum of episode seven might be from a metaphorical standpoint or following the thematic standpoint that is her acting out that is her right you know sort of living out of that rot and out of that yeah broken core um you know so so no i i can get behind that interpretation and it does i i think and and i alluded to this a minute ago for all my misgivings about parts of season two, and I and I think you're bringing some of this to the surface, I really did love kind of where it landed. You know, sure, um, sure. I'm not I'm not in love with how they got there, but I did love kind of how it landed, and perhaps what you're articulating is is part of what I was intuiting, which is yes, that sort of closed loop, that closed gate, you know, even, even with my, what about the portals everywhere? You know, like, <laughs> like I can get behind thematically what you're suggesting there because, because we do terrible things out of our woundedness and don't, oh, yeah. and, and, oh, yeah. and, and don't realize it, you know? Yeah. Um, and we cause, and we cause such tremendous, distress for others in ways that we wouldn't even be able to quantify if it was placed right in our face, you know? Right. Like, like Like, what are you talking about? I did this, you know, but right. Exactly. And, and I think that's what's so, I, I think that's what's so powerful to me about where this show, this season went is, is that idea of like that, that's hard work. You know, Papa says to, to her, like it may very well kill you. Like, you know, or it's or it's going to kill you. And I know I was talking with another uh, dear friend about a a, a something that had happened, happened in their life. And and they were struggling to actually have the conversations about it. Like, I know I need to talk about this. I know I need to talk to this person. I know I need to visit the grave of this other person. Like, I know I need to go. But they but they were so afraid of the work. They were so afraid of what lie ahead because it had caused so much turmoil and emotional upheaval for them 
Um, yeah, it, like the vision, if it's not already obvious to listeners, like the vision of staring down your open wound and on the other side of that open wound is a big freaking shadow spider like a that that is you know threatening it's almost like the goliath to david like you will never beat me like i defy your god i defy your hope i defy every element of you like you'll never upend me you'll never shut me out and and the the work and the effort and the will that is required to to push forward in that and actually work to seal the gate and the fact that uh that even though 11 is kind of ex- I wouldn't say exclusively but primarily responsible for getting that gate closed like she needed the rest of them like she needed she needed some assistance from from all the rest of the team from all the rest of the community to sort of get where she needed to get to actually get it closed down and there's just so much about that that moment of her hovering levitating exerting all of, all that she can as that gate slowly closes that i found uh truly powerful um i'll, I'll bring in uh and then invite if you have any further thoughts on this particular subject i'll bring in the scripture that i had in mind for this uh specifically related to that theme although there's a thousand different things that you could that you could look at but isaiah 61 verses 3 through 4 it says um, for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And there's something to me that as I think about, you know, the, the hope that we have in the gospel or the hope that we have in, in a faithful life, that idea of it is so easy to just like look among the ruins and be like assigning blame, assigning responsibility, going the route of like what Nancy and Jonathan try to do of like, okay, we're going to uh, dispel, we're, we're going to get the word out and we're going right. to close down Hawkins lab and all this other stuff. Like, like we could go that route. We could do that. But in the end, that's not going to close the gate. Like, like, I don't know. There's so many different places that I could go with this. And I feel uh, the, a little bit of the pressure of time and, and the weight of how long we've been discussing. But I guess, I, I guess I should just, should just rest on the fact of like, Hey, there, there is hope that, even though, the, for lack of a better way of putting it, like the upside down has infected quite a bit of us. Um, but like we talked about with with season one, we don't give up on people. Like we don't we don't write them off. We don't cast them out, except for maybe Billy. I cast him. But, <laughs> um, but like uh, I'm teasing, of course. But like we don't cast them out. We don't write them off. We we acknowledge that like hey, it's not just about getting people out of the upside down. Like, it's not just about getting them out of the traumatic situations. You've got to close the gate. You've got to address the problem. Well, and to, and to uh, uh, compliment what you're saying, you mentioned we don't, we don't write people off. Uh, the thought that struck me as you said that was like, even ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I mean, in the case- Because we may the, place a bunch of blame at our door. Right, I was going to say, even in the case, or in the specific case of the show, I mean, Eleven's- going on the lamb is is out of that you know it's yeah i have caused all this pain and trauma 
uh, and I'm going to, I'm just going to run away. Yeah. And, and they'd like the Hawkins lab technicians, like treat, treat everything the only way they know how, surely, but like, they just, they just sort of try to cauterize the whole thing. Right. They just sort of try to burn, burn it all away. Like, you know, Im- impact it that way. And I guess what I'm, what I'm really believing in, perhaps against all hope, like we look at the, we look at the things going on in the world around us. We look at the social troubles. We look at the the political ills. We look at everything going around us. And maybe it's just timing. Maybe it's where I'm at in life. Maybe it's something dip, deeper or, or um, I don't know. But something about it, like I look at all of these problems and I see tons of people trying to treat symptoms, just like trying to burn away the thing as it spreads. Like, let's just, you know, kind of to your point, be very reactive, be very like we're we're just going to combat it as it comes up and then wait for the next thing. And then we'll combat that when that comes up and then we'll do that, like be very reactive. But as I mentioned in the earlier part of our conversation, the one character who I consider to be very proactive in this is is L is Eleven. And she's the one who finally is like, I'm going to I'm going to shut the gate, you know, like I'm going to go. And I feel like what we as a people, what we as humanity, what we as a nation, what we as believers, what we as as just a community of living flesh and blood human beings, what we need is we need something to get beyond symptoms, go go deeper and actually start trying to shut the gate like i I know that that's just this big broad metaphor uh you know listeners i I mean i think i think it works and i think that one of the ideas i think you're after is you can't we can't just torch each other (laughs) you know to 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 shut it off and and without traveling too far down this trail here you and i were actually having a conversation unrelated to stranger things on the phone recently about uh relative emotional ideas or 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 spiritual ideas of how so many of us are when 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 a collective body of people writ large a a country is acting out of wounds and acting out of out of festering wounds and are not cognizant of our own inside upside down spilling out into the world. Yeah. Yeah. We are, we are not paying attention to, we are, we are missing the boat on how to solve the problem, which hear me. I'm not trying to say like, it's this pat answer, but in terms of, you know, you mentioned a minute ago doing the work, there's so much work required in that self assessment and self reflection you know, I had this random in, um, sort of interaction on on social media, or saw some random interactions happening that are of a very of the moment variety today of people just people of faith on two incredibly different sides of the conversation, just going at sure, each other. Sure. And yeah, I was, and I, and honestly, Reed, I had this impulse to kind of jump in, and I was, I just just to be frank, like I even typed a thing out, and then I was like. No, it doesn't matter. No. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like, but I'm not. I'm not going to add anything. If I'm not going, yeah. I'm not going to help anything. Um, and and which isn't me suggesting. You know, there's there's never a time or place for that kind of thing. I do think though, we confuse ourselves to a to a highly detrimental way or in a highly detrimental way 
of thinking that is the work, you know, like to use your language of, right. of doing the work, right. you know, when we think, oh, well, if I just vomit my upside down slug onto the internet and, you know, hope that the words I'm saying and the force of my language is going to let this person know that they're an idiot and they should come to the Lord. Like, no, nope. It's just, it's not going to do it. It's not going to do it at all. Yeah. Anyway, that's a, because that's a we random have, sort yeah. of trail, but. No, no, I, I mean, it, it's the kind of stuff bouncing around in my head, too, because I will say this. The wounds are personal. The wounds are deep. They are gaping. They're bleeding out. But if we want to do the work of closing the gate, you have to face the wound. Right. You right. cannot, you cannot continue to simply burn away the symptom. You cannot continue to simply try to replant pumpkins or try to do whatever you want to do to try to track the rot or whatever. You have got to face the wound. You've got to stare it down. And it may be the end of you to do so, but you have to face that reality, stare the wound in the face and say, okay, the, the, I'm, I'm not letting you infect my life anymore. And I think before it happens on a national level, certainly before it happens on a global level, it has to happen on an individual level. We have to do it as Reed and Nathan and as individuals in our own lives before it will happen on a much broader level. Right, there are going to be right. people who are just not going to who are just not going to do it. There are going to pe- be people who are not going to be willing to do that work. But I think that is the calling of the faithful believer is to to as as I believe Christ did, like. Just, just, I was about to say embrace the wound, but it's really just sort of like, no, just enter into it. Right. Like just, just step, step right into it and, uh, and by doing so seal it. And, and I know that that's a big metaphor. Sure. And listeners may be sitting there like, well, how does that work out practically? Well, guys, that's the conversation. Like that's where we need to go. We need to, we need to, whatever the situation is, maybe as personal as a broken relationship and in your own life, maybe as personal as a trauma or, or a, where you yourself were a victim of something and in some other context, or it might be as broad as, you know, trends on a, on a national or a global level, but whatever the wound is specific to you, specific to your person, face it, stare it down. And with the help of the Holy spirit, close the gate, get the, get the gate shut out. Said the mind flayer, rest in peace, Bob, the brain, tell the mind flayer, like, go away. Right. 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 (laughs) You know, like we know it, 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 but here's the thing is it didn't work for Will. And I I recognize that it didn't work for Will, but following this metaphor, because he wasn't at the gate, like, well, he wouldn't have had the power to do it anyway, but, (laughs) but like, (laughs) I love, I love that you're like unintentionally dismantling your own analogy, but go with it. Keep it. Just keep it. It's so true. But, but you do, my point being, you have to go to the gate. You got to go to the source and then you can do the work to, to get things closed to get things shut out. Um, and yeah, that's what I would encourage any and all listeners, uh, any and all survivors of, uh, horrible traumas, um, to, to do so, to do that, to do that very thing. And we have a lot of work as a nation to do, uh, to do that. We've got a lot of gates open and, uh, it's foolhardy to think that, uh, we will simply be able to, you know, knock a tree down or close up one sewer grate and that the upside down's infection will suddenly just stop. Like we've got to, We've got to go to the site and we've got to, we've got to close the, close the gate. So, all right. All right. So, so after a, 
a hearty conversation. My voice is almost gone. Um, after a hearty conversation, uh, let's uh, let's bring in our old friend David S. Pumpkins and close the gate on this episode. What do you say? <laughs> let's do it. Uh, let's put it down. So let's I think, put it down. I think uh, sincerely that you and I have probably already given our style ratings. Uh, we'll you know we'll just let everybody know that uh, that we rate everything on a metric of David S. Pumpkins, and uh, so we rate those on style, scares, and substance. Would you agree that your style rating was was a four, or would you give it higher overall? <laughs> I feel like an idiot. Do we do no? Because we do zero through five. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so I can't give it an eight <laughs> out of been, five. It's that's so funny. Listeners won't know this. It's been so long since we've recorded, since we uh, yeah, it's packed true. a bunch in. I'm like, wait a minute. What is the scale? Um, that's hilarious. Now, no, it's zero to five. On a, right? on a zero through five, uh, the experience of style, I would put at a 2.5. Okay. All right. I get that. Um, I'm going to be at a four for style. There's still things that I that I think are... Uh, problematic, but but things that I like. What would you do on the rate of scares? I think I would probably do a two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. Um, I'm not going to go much higher than that. I think the mind flayer is just a terrifying uh, analogy, but I'm going to go three and a half for scares. Uh, this one was one that, you know, it's got some genuinely good and unnerving moments but uh but overall yeah uh, well i i i know we alluded to it or referenced it directly rather um will's consumption by the shadow monster and then his subsequent uh response to the torching of things those two moments alone are almost worth a point individually yeah no i i I totally agree with that Uh, what Um, about what about you well what about you for themes uh for substance Substance, yeah (laughs) so substances hey listeners we've been having a conversation for three and a half hours (laughs) (laughs) this is what happens you know about the mind flayer (laughs) (laughs) um so so for me substance it's really tough because that metaphor at the end that I sort of latched onto is a really heavy hitter for me, but I, but I wonder how much of that I just sort of brought to it. Um, so, okay. For me, for substance, I'm going to land at a four. Okay. Well, you've, you've through your thematic conversation elevated mine and I would give it a three for theme. All right. All right. So that means, ladies and gentlemen, that we give Stranger Things season two six and a half out of 10. David S. Pumpkins. Um, so yeah, I think my affection for it bolstered it up a little bit from where it probably would have been. But uh, but I mean, it's definitely uh, you know, this, Stranger Things is a cultural phenomenon now, and I don't think there's any way, even if season three just like utterly tanks, like we're gonna we're gonna get this. Right. Netflix is is this is I think especially in light of recent events. Uh, Stranger Things has kind of become the new flagship show for for Netflix, uh, as opposed to its previous House of Cards uh, owner. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I, I think this season that, was that, had, uh, had a lot. Of- House of Cards fell to the ground, didn't it? Yeah, it sure did. Um, moving right along, right, right, right. Um, the, but the but I do think that um, that there there are some dings to this season. Uh, unquestionably, uh, I still found a lot to to latch onto, but so, plenty of the criticisms that people would hurl at it, uh, I would understand and even and even echo and agree with. But uh, still, still a strong show, I, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I love so much about it. Uh, some of the things to me in execution just really struggled this season. But I, I am willing to 
acknowledge the potential that expectation played heavy into that. Um, you know, you, sure. you've given me some food for thought and if, and when the moment comes to rewatch it, I'll have a bit more of an open mind to it. Uh, yeah. All right. So then. there you go. That's All what, that's right. what, well, that's then, what uh, friends are for. That's exactly right. In good times. Okay. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, so, uh, as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. Um, and uh, I'm going to say, just because my voice is tired and we're tired, uh, just stay tuned through the end of the music to hear our social media cues. Uh, and then next, next week starts something I'm very, very excited for. Nathan, you want to tell them what happens next week as a final button? Yeah, we are. We're kicking off December with a... Are yeah, we, we are. Are going at a scary burn Christmas or a very burn? That's right, scary, right? Scary. We are uh, kicking off December next week with the beginning of our final series of the year. Hashtag a scary Burton Christmas. That's right. Stay tuned, everybody. And uh, we hope that you had uh, and or have, depending on when you listen to this, I think it would be had uh, a very, very happy Thanksgiving and uh, a very, very uh, happy Stranger Things giving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Reed. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too, Nathan. All right. And we'll see you next week when we start a scary Burton Christmas. And uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, stay frosty, everybody. (laughs) See you guys. Bye. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. To continue this conversation, you can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God. You can visit us on Facebook to comment on one of our posts or post there yourself. You can follow Reed on Twitter at Reed Lackey. You can follow Nathan on Twitter at The Nathan Rouse. Visit morethanonelesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official episode posts. Email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com, all one word, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.